This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Garin Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Garin Thomas Cycling Club, brought to you by Zwift. Jump on your Zwift Hub One and jump into Zwift. Welcome along. Hey G, nice to see you again. And we are back with a little bonus treat for our GTCC listeners, aren't we? That's right, we are. I've popped over onto another pod and I've got a little clip for everyone. I'm this week's guest on Red Bull's cycling podcast, Just Ride. They asked me about winning the tour, my career so far, and the little bastard himself, Remco. Fair play, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you're right. It is a lot of fun. The two hosts, Rob Warner and Elliot Jackson, you can hear what a great time they're having. I see them a little bit like the sort of G and Luke of the mountain bike world. Here's a little clip of me on Just Ride. And if you want to hear the whole thing, search for Just Ride wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy. Today's guest has been at the top of his sport for well over a decade and he's not done yet. We're also super excited to welcome our first Tour de France winner to Just Ride. And you can probably give me and Elliot a couple of tips about podcasting too. <laughs> welcome to Just Ride, Garrett Thomas. Thanks for joining us, Garrett. Thanks for having me. Good to Amazing. see you. Amazing to have a Tour de France winner on the show. That's true. Yeah, yeah. never never in my life. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Have you seen it change? I mean, you can't help but think about Vinegard, Pogaccia, like, mm. what have they... They haven't made it any easier, have they, right? <laughs> Not at all. It's, um, especially since COVID kind of accelerated it for some reason. And it's just, huh. I think the whole peloton is just more professional. Whereas in the past, it was um, just the top guys, like the top sort of, I don't know, 40, 50 guys now. 300 guys are training properly, eating properly, doing altitude training, you know, the whole team are like looking after all the riders rather than just their top three or four. So the depth is a lot better. And um, yeah, the, the sport's just moving on all the time, which is good. But I think as an older or more experienced, I like to call myself an yeah, older, that's bad. more experienced guy. <laughs> yeah. Man, Rob, you, you're um, so experienced. <laughs> I'm the most experienced bloke here. <laughs> you just got to um, adapt with it as well, you know? And I think if I was stuck in like, oh, this is what I did 10 years ago, then I, I wouldn't be able to compete anymore. You have to sort of roll with it a bit. So, um, Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy changing things up? Do you enjoy like, you know, trying to stay on the pace really? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I've changed like training locations a few times in my program a bit, but it is quite hard to, you know, when you've done something for so long, you have a set way and a belief of doing things and to change that with regards to like training or nutrition. Um, you know, I ate a certain way for so long to then suddenly start eating a lot more on the bike and it's when you eat and the timing of it. You know, it all makes sense in the science and you believe in it, but at the same time to actually do it is still it's not just easy you don't just change overnight you know but no. um, I have to force myself to do it but yeah I, I definitely like um, mixing it up is is probably why I've done it for so long as well really I'm in my 18th year as a pro bike rider now so wow. if I did the same thing for 18 years for sure I would have stopped by now yeah can you can you talk about some of those like younger riders uh, coming up I mean there's I think one of the most high profile of, of uh, Rimco Evanpool <laughs> Yeah, so he's um, a super talented Belgian guy and 
he basically turned pro straight out of the junior category, which is quite rare anyway. And then he was winning pro races straight away, big, big pro races. And um, just kind of, well, I started calling him the little bastard. And <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> he's a little bastard, basically. Like, uh, it shouldn't be that easy, you know? But um, the problem is once it's translated into Belgium or Italian or Spanish, I think they take it a bit more seriously. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> My humour sort of lost a bit on them, so I, I don't think they know how to take me a lot of the time. But um, he's a good kid, but it's just annoying, you know. It's, it took me like ten years to start winning big, but um, huh. everyone's different, eh? Yeah. Who who have been some of your favourite people to ride against? Like, if you think back a, across your career, well, I was, when I first started out, like when I was watching the tour, like Jan Uric was a massive. Um, he won in 97, the 97 Tour de France. And that was when I first started watching it. So we, I always looked up to him and then he was the underdog. He kept getting beaten by Lance Armstrong all the time. So Ulrich was amazing, wasn't he? You love the underdog, don't you, as a Brit? Yeah. So um, I always looked up to him and I went on a training camp with T-Mobile. They had a little development sort of squad. And I rode with him, met him a few times. And then when I turned pro in 07, um, I did one race with him, a one day race in Germany and just riding behind him like, oh my God, like he was like my hero, you know, and yeah, to be racing yeah, with him was just yeah. unreal. Um, I also raced with Lance in the tour. I was in the white jersey. I was second overall. This was really early in the race, like stage three or four. Yeah. And he comes up to me, he's like, hey man, you can take the yellow jersey today. And I was no, like, why? I was like, no, Lance Armstrong's telling me this. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, nah, mate, I, sure, nah. He's like, oh man, that, that last climb's not so hard, Fabian. Cancellara, who was in yellow, yeah, yeah, he'll get dropped. Just hang in there, dude. You can do it. I was like, ah, okay. Um, we got to last climb. I got dropped, and um, yeah, didn't take the jersey. But he came up to me the next day and he apologised. He was like, yeah, that climb was a lot harder than what I remember. It's a little bit harder than I thought. Yeah, that was nuts. You know, like obviously all the history with him and whatever. But the fact I grew up watching him and you know he was winning all the time and. Yeah. to be racing with him was kind of weird and having conversations like that um well i mean so yeah gee you're you're like that guy now like what is it mm. like for you to be you know your hometown or just wherever you go right on a ride like you're that guy now yeah that's weird it's, it's still weird to think that because i'm just a normal guy you know um but yeah back in cardiff is um, you know, I could walk to the corner shop for some milk, and everyone's sort of like looking at you a bit like, yeah, like, and, I, and I, don't, I don't ever want to say like, yeah, it's me, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. What can you do? <laughs> uh, and then they're like, oh no, mate, you just got something on your nose. But, um, but yeah, that is kind of strange. And there's been riders as well. Like when I've done some of the smaller races, um, younger riders come up to me like, oh, it's been a pleasure to race with you. Like I've looked up to you, blah blah blah. And it's kind of like what I was like with Ulrich. So it's, it's kind of weird to think that people see me in that same light because I certainly don't see myself like that, yeah. Are you comfortable with it? I mean, is it something you like or would you rather just be like older? As in going uh, back in time, Garrett, you know, when no one before you'd won the we tour. We call it experience, Experience, no, you, yeah. no, I meant going back in time before you won the tour. Was life easier than after you won the tour? Uh... No, I certainly wouldn't change it. it. It is nice, although, you know, every coffee stop here, we have some people coming up and wanting a picture. But at the same time, like, I don't mind that either because, you know, when they're polite and stuff, it's, it's fine. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it feels nice, you know? Like, and I remember someone, I can't remember who it was, a Welsh sportsman from back in the day, and he's like, oh, 
Yeah, once you're retired and people stop asking you for your photo, that's when you realise like you, yeah. you know, they, they, it was actually a good time when you were performing and doing well. So yeah, just try I, and live in the moment, embrace it. You know. Yeah, I. Uh, my, it was funny. I was with, I was with my mom, and somebody had. I was at a bike park or whatever, and somebody had come up to me and was like, "Hey, are you Elliot or whatever?" And I was like, "Yeah." They left and she was like, enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got so made true. Most of it. Yeah. Well, it won't last forever, but it might for you, Tour de France yeah, winner. That. Yeah, true that, yeah. And how does it work when, when you get to, say, the Tour de France, right? So the team's there and you can't win, right, without a really strong team around you. Is it like in 2018 when you won, was it like, right, Garrett's the best here, we're all going to support him. Or does it unfold as the race goes on and you kind of earn that like team leader spot? How, how is it? Yeah, I had to earn that spot because Froomey was part of the team and he'd won it four times previous and he was going for his fifth. <laughs> and um, they Quite didn't handy. actually say that till, <laughs> till like stage 19 or something when I was like, bloody hell guys, it's been obvious most of the race, but yeah, thanks. Yeah, because um, you were looking, I remember now, you were looking after him, but you could see that you were stronger. Is that, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, so the first yeah. time was like in 2015, like I was, that's the when I thought, oh, actually I can do something myself because I was working for him and then by <laughs> stage 19, I was still fourth and then I cracked and ended up 15th or whatever. But I was like, oh, if I look after myself, maybe I could right. do something, you know? Yeah. So get to 18, he wanted to win his fifth, I won the stage on like stage 11 and 12 and went into the yellow jersey but he still really wanted to win so he was still wanting to attack and which was kind of strange in the team you know when you got your teammates sat like a meter away from you on the bus <laughs> wanting to attack you to, to get the jersey Hooray. that you hold yeah, yeah. Um, does it get tense? Uh, it it didn't too much I would ju- it was just mad I was I was in the best shape at that point I'd ever been in and mentally was just in a real good place and I was just like ah I just keep doing what I'm doing like why should anything change you know keep doing the basics and the fueling and all this and didn't really think too much about Froomey um maybe it was a blessing I was a bit older at that point if I'd been five years younger I might have sort of got a bit cracked or overwhelmed by it but um it was a strange situation looking back um, but I just stayed in my own little world really and knew the the team was super strong and just keep doing what I'm doing basically. And at what point you said it was like stage 19, like what, what did it feel like? Like what was the conversation like when everyone was like, yeah, maybe we should. It was after the last mountaintop finish um, and then we had another quite hard stage, a time trial and then the finish. So, um, but after that last mountaintop finished I walked onto the kitchen truck um, because we basically have a truck with the kitchen and the dining room on there so the chefs can make the food and it's easy and all this um, proper divas we are and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything but that's all good <laughs> um, and I walk on there after coming back from the podium and all this and that and uh, Froomey stood up and gave me a hug and said oh well done you know you pretty much sealed it now and huh I'll help you type thing. So oh, wow. that was the turning point then. And then, yeah. yeah. But by then there was only one real stage to go. So I was like, oh, thanks mate. Could have said it a week ago. Dig, dig yeah. in, dig in. <laughs> but, yeah, so, but it was great. It was, it was unbelievable that, that race really. And um, it definitely changed everything going forward. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
what was it like uh in paris like to stand on the top of the podium i feel like that that image of you know somebody standing on that podium you standing on that podium with a yellow jersey at the at the end is crazy yeah it's nuts like, like i say watching it since i was 12 and then 20 years later i'm the one doing it and cool you know i saw something about imposter imposter syndrome or whatever uh-huh. it's called the other day uh-huh. and i was like yeah it did feel a little like that like what the hell am i doing here you know like winning this race is a it's unreal like french guys and germans and spaniards <laughs> win it you know yeah Not yeah welshman from Cardiff, <laughs> you know, so. but no it was unbelievable like all my family were there um like wider family as well my best mates and it's kind of like the party then was kind of like a wedding but i was the bride this time you know what i mean yeah. it was like all yeah. about me and uh but that was some party i was it was it was great do you have a a special memory from that race i mean stage 11 that year was insane yeah that first stage win um on the mountaintop was um big and then the next day to back it up and win up Alpe d'Huez in the yellow jersey which no one had done before was insane really and I just couldn't really get my head around it it's still weird to think of really Um, it's like the most iconic climb in the race the Alpe d'Huez so to win up there in yellow was was unreal and then obviously the TT I just remember the last 500 metres so Nico Portal was the DS at the time sadly he's he's passed away now but I remember asking on the radio like Nico have, have I won have I won the tour and he was like, yes, J-. he called me Jay. He was French. He couldn't say G. <laughs> yeah. He was like, yes, Jay, yes, Jay, you've won the tour. And I was just like, it was just, oh, that that feeling was just yeah. unreal and crossed the line. And then I saw my wife who, she didn't tell me she was coming. Um, the team had flown her out. They flew no. a private jet as well. I was like, mate, hey. I don't want to be on a private jet. <laughs> but, uh, and then, yeah, so, yeah, she was there and like the my coach Tim and Dave B the big boss who I'd known since I was yeah a kid so it was just unreal really and then Paris was just um, amazing but I, normally you'd have a few drinks the night before Paris but I was like no chance like I'm not risking <laughs> losing this jersey on the last day now no no it's no, still no, a race. no like it's a procession to the Champs Elysees but it's yeah, still yeah 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 it's the biggest race a sprinter can win so it means right. a lot so yeah. quite high risk in it the last stage it's like it's chaos in it round and round there yeah without a doubt and you can puncture or anything silly yeah. can happen and so yeah stayed switched on to land and then won the race and enjoyed the next sort of six months then yeah you, you spoke about your win on Alpe d'Huez I guess it might have brought back some amazing memories to see your teammate young Tim Tom Pidcock do the same last year what was that like for you to watch yeah it was it was it was nice I would have preferred to have won mine yeah but if it's not going to be me it might as well be a teammate but it was good to see him win you know um he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders you know he's one of the the main riders in the team so that was good to see and um yeah no it was great it was a good day for the team for sure so there you go that was a little snippet of g on just right go and search out the full episode now and if you like you can go back through season one and listen to their chat with luke There's also plenty more fascinating conversations with people from all over the world of cycling. Enjoy. Enjoy.